Dotnet Rocks, episode 1066, with guest John Stark. Recorded Monday, November 24th, 2014. Hey, guess what? It's .NET Rocks. I'm Carl Franklin. And I'm Richard Campbell. And uh, we're on opposite sides of North American continent, coming to you for the next hour. But not for much longer, dude, because we're going to be at NDC London, and it's going to be a busy week. Yes, it is. And it's always fun when we go do that. I think the timing's impeccable to do a flurry of shows at the beginning of December, and then we're pretty much done through to the new year. Yep. And just when the snow hits, it's Absolutely. perfect. Perfect. I'd rather have the fog. I'm with you. All right. Hey, roll that crazy music because it's time for Better Know Framework. All right, buddy, what do you got? I give you Face Shift. Uh-oh. Faceshift.com. What have you done? This is markerless motion capture for real-time avatar face movement. So now I can Skype with you with video and make you into a cat. In real time. <laughs> Said real you can you can use face shift and you just watch the video it's insane face shift it's real-time face avatar wow and it can travel you know you can uh basically send the data and so the avatar will appear on uh the other side in real time is that with a connect it, it actually uses any kind of 3d camera but first generation it uses connect version one or it uses open ni which uses the connect version one okay and there's another 3d camera that it supports you know in age of the spiritual machines ray kurtzwill's book he predicted that at some point we would all be at home video conferencing and replacing everybody in the conference with our own version of what we want them to look like <laughs> you know it's interesting for that reason you know that you can just make you know, one of the things that face shift did for halloween was that and it was sponsored by pepsi max they went to a movie theater and right. there was three sinks and each one had a mirror in front of it in the middle one they replaced it with a screen and they were looking at you and basically showing you your mirror image right and then would all of a sudden change your face to some horrible thing <laughs> <laughs> Well, and in the video, you see someone walk up to uh, a picture of a baby, and right. the baby is, you know, mirroring themselves. That's basically what they were doing, yeah. And oh, uh, and it was very effective, shall we say. It's disturbing. It's like using the Uncanny Valley for fun and profit. Yeah, I knew you were going to love this. It's disturbing. I love it. It's disturbing technology. Right. <laughs> oh, that's what I got. And by the way, I did download the trial and run it uh, and that's how i figured out you need connect v1 so i gotta go right. dig that dust that one off and i'm sure you have one somewhere you always do oh i have a couple of them yeah now, that's what i got know it learn it love it who's talking to us richard grabbed a comment off of show 999 do you remember that show Stephen forte asked for that show specifically i do remember yes because he's that kind of guy he's like i want 999 he didn't want a thousand he wanted nope. 999 999 and we talked about wearables in the enterprise and jeff dalton one of our regulars said great show as always guys i really enjoy the discussions with Stephen forte this one was no exception mm. the talk about wearables in the enterprise is something that has been discussed for at least five years at our company the vision to make it easier for people in our manufacturing facilities to collaborate with remote colleagues or AI systems so we can reduce the amount of time to solve an abnormal event, like a specific part won't mount correctly. We have discussed ways for making field mechanics more productive by literally putting billions of documents at their fingertips. This is something we see like Boeing now has tablet devices so their mechanics have all of the manuals of all the aircraft with them instantly. Mm -hmm. You can see with a wearable that you go even further with this. I've seen firsthand a prototype camera that is strapped to a technician's head so they could beam pictures back to the technical help desk. The time saved by allowing the highly skilled technician to see what other technicians are seeing is amazing. Mm. Sadly, the story is not all unicorns and rainbows. There are some staunch groups opposed to the use of seeing eye technologies. Unions, worker privacy advocates, and some governments are a few of the biggest obstacles. I know time will melt these glaciers and the enterprises will start to reap a whole new level of productivity. Thanks and keep up the great shows. You know, I, I, funny, all the stuff I've been reading around Geek House lately, there's an awful lot of, they, they, a bunch of science-related stuff where they were saying, well, when is this scientific theorem going to be accepted? And the scientist, I believe it was even Einstein, he says, when all the old scientists die. 
Mm. Yeah. Right? Like that that's how this move actually has to go. And you wonder about, you know, there's a bunch of comments on this show on 999 along the lines of privacy concerns and all of those sorts of things. But part of this is just the natural instinct to the more data we have, what you do with it becomes the really important part. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. You know, here's Jeff for years now trying to make this stuff work because they could see the productivity advantage. They've also got to deal with how do you handle privacy properly. Yeah. So, Jeff, thanks so much for your comment. A .NET Rocks mug is on its way to you. And if you'd like a .NET Rocks mug, write a comment on the website at .NET Rocks.com. And we've got mobile apps. We've got them for iOS. We've got them for Windows Phone 7 and 8, for Windows 8, and for Android. That's right. And that brings us to our guest today. Jonathan Stark is a mobile strategy consultant who helps CEOs transition their business to mobile. He's author of three books on mobile and web development, most notably O'Reilly's Building iPhone Apps with HTML, CSS, and JavaScript, which is available in seven languages. His Jonathan's Card experiment made international headlines by combining mobile payments with social giving to create a pay-it-forward coffee movement at Starbucks locations all over the U.S., so now from some coffee shop somewhere near Providence, Rhode Island, I'm thinking, uh, Jonathan Stark, are you there? <laughs> yes, you're absolutely right. All right. And I first heard about you through the the Starbucks card thing, which I thought was pure awesome. Please tell this story. Thank you. I'll, I'd be happy to. Um, geez, I guess it was 2011. I was researching a mobile payment solution for a big local or, or national fast casual restaurant chain uh, who didn't have an application yet for that. And at the time, Starbucks had an excellent pay, you know, POS payments solution, uh, which was deceptively simple. It was um, Starbucks app on iOS displayed a barcode off of essentially that was um, extracted from your loyalty card. Right. And you'd go up to the regular barcode scanner at the POS and they would scan it. And it was kind of like a prepaid card. Uh, and it would just beep like you scanned a normal card and no big deal. You pay mm. for a coffee. So I was like, oh, this is really great. But um, I'm actually uh, more of an Android person than iOS. And they didn't have an Android app at the time. Right. Mm-hmm. So I thought, well, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna take a screenshot of the iPhone app with the barcode showing and email it to myself on my other phone, just in case I show up at the Starbucks without my iPhone. Brilliant. Yeah. Yeah. So I figured I'd try it. I assumed that the the barcode was like a, a single use token. You know, they changed every time you used it because uh, obviously that's what you do, right? Sure. <laughs> that, or not, as the case may be. <laughs> or not. So I go up to the cash register, and I I, I have to admit, I felt a little sneaky or something. Like, right. uh-huh. I was like are they going to notice it's an Android phone and there's no you know, Android app? So I scan it and beep it. I paid for coffee with a picture. That's awesome. Yeah, my head kind of exploded. I, I was like, that's the coolest thing ever, because you can take a picture and put it anywhere. That's right. right. So I put it on my blog and I said, hey, anybody, there's uh, there's 50 bucks on this card right now. If you want to walk down to a Starbucks, you can get a free coffee on me. Wow. And to my shock and delight, people literally stopped what they were doing at that moment, got up and walked to a local Starbucks. And there were at least 10 people who tweeted me after the fact and said, hey, I'm at Starbucks right now. There's no money on the card. Because <laughs> everybody sacked it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they, and, I, and I checked, and I was like, "Oh, I guess there's. I guess I didn't put money on it." Oh, sure enough, more than fifty, you know, fifty dollars worth of coffee was sold. And I mean, it was like fifteen minutes. Nice, wow. So I was like, "Oh, I felt bad because there's these people standing there in Starbucks, and I felt like I kind of tricked them or something." So right. I, I put fifty more bucks on it, and they were all like, "Thanks." And then I started getting more text messages, you know, or more, mostly over Twitter. People would be like, hey, is there any money on the card? Is there any money on the card? <laughs> I want more coffee. <laughs> right. <laughs> so I, I, I have to admit a couple more. I think I probably put a total of two or three hundred bucks on the card because I felt bad that I had blogged about it and all these people were getting stiffed at the register. Right. So then I was like, I can't keep this up. So then I, I sort of did, I was planning to not do it anymore. And then one night I'm sitting on the couch, it's a Friday night, I'm watching TV. And uh, I get a notification on my phone that my balance on my Starbucks card had increased, which scared the crap out of me. Oh, (laughs) no. Because the card that I have associated with my Starbucks.com account is my is a debit card, which is attached straight to my checking account. Yikes. Uh Uh-oh. Right. So it's sucking money out of your bank account so people can get free coffee. 
Exactly. So I, I, what I assumed happened, like my gut reaction was that I had attracted attention to myself and gotten the attention of some hacker, then guessed my password and was just sucking money out of my bank account. Um, to my great relief, that isn't what happened. Um, it turns out one of my hacker buddies had gone down to a Starbucks and he had a little experiment of his own. He was like, I wonder if I can put money on this picture. Wow. Oh. And sure so enough, he, he topped up the card. He topped up the card. So then my head really exploded because I was like, I can't afford to buy the internet a coffee, but the internet can. Ah. <laughs> so uh, I, did, I, I didn't sleep that whole weekend. I stayed up and did a, a couple of things. First, I put up um, a static HTML page on my you know, $5 a month web server mm -hmm. that uh, explained the deal. So how to put money on the card, how to, how to use the card, and how to top up the card. And, uh, and also I wrote a screen scraper that would log into my Starbucks account and tweet out the current balance every minute. <laughs> <laughs> That's so awesome. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So, yeah, you know, it's just one of those things. Like I just couldn't, I, I couldn't sleep. I just had to do it. it. had to be done. I saw the, I, the dots were connected. So I just had to make it real. Yeah. And then nothing really happened for a couple of, you know, like a few people thought it was funny. Ha ha ha. Uh, and then my um, the the my book editor uh, had just left O'Reilly and gone over to make. He's like a big maker guy, mm -hmm. really into that whole um, that whole shtick. And they had a reasonably popular make blog, and so he it was kind of a stretch for them because it was a little bit off topic. But he was like, oh, you know, he blogged about this card uh, Starbucks card that had an API essentially because I I did create like a little bit of a a simple HTTP. API that you could use to mm -hmm. check the balance if you wanted to not follow Twitter. And the reason I found out about that blog, he didn't tell me he was going to blog about it. I found out about it because my inbox exploded. And, wow. you know, fast forward, um, that, was, that was the following, I believe that was the following Friday from the weekend that I, that I hacked together all of the, um, the screen scraper and all that. And the, so the following Friday, if I remember correctly, he blogged about it. And then by the Monday after that weekend, it was on the front page of CNN.com. Yeah. And all and, hell and broke loose. And then trouble yeah. breaks out. And then all hell broke loose, right? Yeah. So, you know, by the end of the, by the end, in the next five days, something like 20, 23 grand went through the card. Um, it basically, once it became really popular, it was basically always smashing into zero. Um, you know, mm. some people, people were putting a hundred bucks, a couple of people put 500 bucks on the card, which was the maximum you could put on it. It would mm. immediately go down to zero. And, and, you know, since my, I had a cron job running that was scraping the Starbucks site. So the balance was fluctuating so wildly that you could put, you know, a thousand dollars could go through the card in under 30 seconds. So if wow. you put on a whole bunch of money and then you wait for the next Twitter update and it looked like the money never went in. So right. people started to say things like, oh, he's just sucking the money off so himself. So people and, were at Starbucks waiting for the balance to go up so they could get a coffee. It's even more than that. So like there were, there were people, there's one story uh, from the Facebook page because my wife set up, set up and managed a Facebook page for it because Twitter got really confusing. You know, okay. Threading and everything's really hard on Twitter. So she yeah. set up a Facebook page and managed that. And people could kind of communicate. And so a lot of people started telling stories about how they were using it. <laughs> and one of the stories, which I think gives you an idea of how intense the traffic was, um, was that this, this guy was bringing homeless people in off the street and trying to buy them sandwiches with the card. Whoa. And then, he, and then he's writing about it on the Facebook page. So he would go in. So, like, imagine, Jeez. have you guys ever used a start? Have you guys ever sure, used this? Sure, yeah. 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 So when you go in, basically, you know, the card's got some balance on it. It's, you know, card, a.k.a. your phone, has some balance on it. And so the guy would come in and he have this homeless guy with him and he'd say, hey, you know, can I get a, a whatever, a panini sandwich or whatever they're selling at the time? And they'd say, okay, uh, that'll be $8. And so he would scan the card and they'd be like, okay, there's only $4 on the card. You need four more dollars. And he'd say, hang on a second. Scan the card again. Scan it again. And they'd be like, oh, there was two more dollars on it. And he'd be like, all right, hang on a second, scan it again. So he'd sit there and just scan it repeatedly until the sandwich was paid for. Uh, there were wow. stories about people people coming in with printouts of the picture on paper and scanning <laughs> paper. <laughs> Somebody had it on the screen of their digital camera and scanned their camera. I mean, there was like, it was nuts. There's a, I, I have dozens and dozens of crazy stories of 
from the like five days when it was really going nuts. Uh, hopefully you've shut down now, like you, your experiment is done. So what ended up happening was, um, uh, I could go on and on about this, but basically someone claimed to have hacked the, hacked the card. It was, it was at best an extreme exaggeration, at worst a, a bald-faced lie. Um, but basically someone claimed to have hacked it, and the, the tech media was, it was funny because as things were going on, Everybody in the media, I was getting interviewed a lot, like on national radio and, mm. and, and national TV. I was on MSNBC Live. And everybody asked the same question while it was going on. Like, how long can this last? Aren't you afraid something's going to happen? And I was like, no, this is great. It could theoretically go on forever as long as people continue to be generous, et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. But they all wanted to write the story of like how it failed. Of course they did. Everybody wanted to write that story. Yeah. Right. Jonathan Zittrain emailed me and he was like, you realize this is a tragedy of the comet, you know, uh, it, it just can't work. And, and I was like, it, it can work. It's not grass in a field of cows. This is like human generosity. And theoretically, that's unbounded, right? So of course, right. I'm a totally optimistic person. Mm -hmm. But so sure enough, someone claimed to hack the card and, um, and the tech media ran with it. They were like so excited. They knew this was going to get crazy page views. So... I started getting called up, uh, all, you know, tech, everybody was calling me and they were like, you know, what's the story? It was hacked. And I'm like, and I, and the, the, this guy had hacked, suppose he'd written a, a blog post about how he hacked the card and I read it and he didn't, he didn't hack the card at all. He basically set up a shell script to check Twitter every minute. And if there was any balance on the card, he'd just go up to the register and, and transfer the money from my card to his card. Right. Huh. And so, so they interviewed me about this, and I explained that to them, and then it wasn't really a, it wasn't like a security. No, not really. He didn't like, he didn't social engineer anybody. He didn't really do anything. He just was a jerk standing at the cash register, swiping the card repeatedly and transferring it onto another card. Like anybody could have done that. Sure. It was just no one would. Yeah, nobody else is that big of a jerk. He wasn't. <laughs> yeah, they weren't as big a jerk as he was. Right. Right. So, but so I one particular. Uh, publication who I to this day will not read and will not mention the name of um, used the word uh, hacked in the article title and it, it just like it was immediately on the Atlantic and sure. it, it went everywhere like the news was calling me back for more interviews about how it was hacked and right. how oh isn't it terrible how one bad apple just ruined this I'm like I'm like everybody it's not hacked it didn't get hacked this guy right. didn't ruin anything but like but everyone wanted to tell the story so badly yeah that's the story they told. Like, they just went with that narrative. If you think of it, you set it up to get hacked, right? You set it up for people to take the money and use it. Yeah, I purposely, I purposely at all times maintained 100% vulnerability because there was right. no way to secure it. There right. was no way to secure it, so I wasn't even going to try. Yeah. And just be like, just, you know, basically it was like, don't be a jerk. It was my request. And right. so someone decided that they would be a jerk. If somebody bought, you know, $30 worth of sandwiches and, and coffee... That wouldn't have been hacking, but, you know, because they transferred money. Well, I'm finding how the press perceives hacking as a negative, and we all perceive hacking as engagement. Yeah. Right. I mean, if anybody hacked anything, it was me writing the screen scraper sure. to log in yeah. to my Starbucks account. <laughs> yeah, no, the only hacker here is you. It's yeah, funny. so long story short, um, Starbucks had contacted me after the, um, after the CNN article. And the marketing, as you could probably imagine, the marketing department was in love with this, and the sure. IT department absolutely hated it. Yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah, you were a transactional nightmare. Right. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. So it was like, you, know, you can imagine. So, yeah. so the marketing department, everybody, Starbucks was awesome the whole time. I could say, I mean, I work for enterprise companies. I understand that. You know, companies get audited, and you know, if you're running your own credit card transactions, you have to be PCI compliant. And if if there are like articles in the tech press about how your system was hacked, that's a major problem. Right. So, uh, you know, I, I totally understood. They were like, but they gave me like a soft landing. They were like, okay, we're gonna have to shut it off at this point. Like I had violated the terms of service on day one, and but they let me stay up because it was such great press for everyone, and it was just such a feel good story. Uh, but then finally, they were like, "Okay, you got to take it down." And I was like, "You know, I was like, all right, that's cool." So yeah, and it, and it sounds like they did it gracefully too. It was very graceful, as a matter. Of, yeah, it was great. It was really nice. And so I put up sort of a an epitaph page, if you will. You know, <laughs> I tried to be I tried to be 
kind of inspirational. It's like, yeah, tonight we lose our barcode, but we never really needed it in the first place. You can take your own Starbucks card and buy a sandwich for someone, et cetera, et cetera. And nice. Um, it, it was a really nice pay it forward thing. And, and, uh, it's, I'm, I probably after I'm gone, people will still talk about it, which makes me feel really good. Yeah, that is awesome. And I think this ties into the sh- whole conversation very nicely that this is always about reducing friction. Right. People generally want to do good things, but there's a level of effort that, that they may or may not be willing to cross. So by lowering that bar, making it easier to do nice things. I mean, I think about the guy who was bringing the homeless in to buy him sandwiches. He was doing the hard part. That's right. He was yeah. rounding up those guys and bringing them in for sandwiches. Yeah. Yeah. It's really interesting. It doesn't take much. I mean, it would be easy to have been cynical at the way that it ended, but if you just if you if you just look at the headlines and you weren't really involved with it, hmm. you, it's easy to be to sort of propagate that cynical narrative that people are basically jerks and someone always ruins it for everyone. But right. that is absolutely not the experience from the inside. Right? People who did. I mean, if you look at the Facebook page, it's still up. There's like ten or fifteen thousand people on the Facebook page, hmm. and. And the inspirational stories are just, I mean, I was moved to tears multiple times. People, you know, fathers saying to their sons that, see, there are good people in the world. It's like, yeah. most people are good. They are. Yeah. And yes, it only takes one jerk to ruin things for everyone. But that doesn't mean everyone's a jerk. It's a big difference. It's a huge distinction. Yeah. Well, and imagine those people who did pay forward. You know, we're a little bit peeved at the guy who was siphoning off, you know, to his account, weren't they? What happened to him? Sure. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> so the funny, the funny thing is about him claiming to have hacked the account and and it impacting me much more strongly than it probably should have because it wasn't a true security violation. Uh, is that it? It blew back in his face with the same sort of intensity because yeah. now all of a sudden he was claiming to have hacked a computer system of Starbucks, right? Yeah. And he was uh, he was contacted by the FBI. He received death threats. He um, oh he my. emailed me repeatedly, privately to call off the dogs, so to speak. And uh, I was like, I'm like, dude, I'm not in control of this. That's right. Yeah. You did this to yourself, man. I kicked off an av- avalanche that I am not in control of. It's this. It, it's fallen down, and then you got under it. Yeah, you decided to jump on the avalanche. Don't be surprised if a few rocks will hit you in the head. Yeah, and they did. Hmm. Yeah. Oh, wow. So I, you know, I, 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 try, I you know, it, yeah, it, it, I, it was a very positive experience for everybody. And what a clever thing to do, too. I mean, I, I think that's what I totally relate to that kind of thing, because this is the kind of stuff that you, creative developers do all the time. They they see input X and output Y and how those things can connect together and create a, you know, a system that nobody had thought before. Mm-hmm. And boom, there you have this uh, amazing thing that changes the world. And it did change the world. I... I... It's hard for me to agree with that because it sounds a little grandiose, but but it did change people's perceptions of humanity. That's for sure. It it definitely the people who were involved, and there were you know tens of thousands, if not you know there. I mean, it was Al Roker was talking about it for crying out loud. I mean, like millions (laughs) of people saw it and heard about it. And to this day, I mean, it'll probably be the thing that I'm. Oh, you're the Starbucks card guy. Like you're that Jonathan. Yeah, Uh, that's probably. I probably won't top that one, but the I don't know. It's if we're going to pull it back to tech, I think that it raised a lot of awareness about the fact that you could pay for stuff with your phone at Starbucks. Mm. Right. Mm -hmm. And there was, you know, I pay attention to this stuff constantly. I'm like super, super, I mean, phones, mobile phones, my main business, but my, the bigger picture for me is, is mobile computing and wireless computing. And right now that killer app for that, the killer device for that is obviously phones and it's going to be for a long time, but wearables are clearly going to be a segment. Sure, absolutely. Did you get uh, holiday greeting cards from uh, Starbucks that year? Uh, no, I just, they they had mixed emotions about me. I'm sure there were a lot of fights internally about me. But the the um, the thing that I did get was like some ungodly number of uh, of what do you call them? Star those stars you get for buying. <laughs> of course, you did. 
<laughs> I've got a hundred free drinks waiting for me. Oh, it was more than that. It was, <laughs> yeah, they were going to have, they were like, do we really have to, because at the time they would, they didn't go right into the app. They actually shipped you, they sent you a, a postcard. A little piece of paper. Yeah. Yeah. And, mm. and they were like going to have to send me a crate of postcards. Oh. And- <laughs> But then they were like, oh, but you violated the terms of service, so you don't get the stars. And I'm like, that's not a good story. I'm like, let's donate, let's have the Facebook community pick a charity and we'll donate the equivalent amount of of dollars of coffee to a charity. That's so, a great idea. Is that what happened? Yeah, that's what we did. Oh, that's great. But again, it's that you're not trying to benefit from this. You're trying to make the story come out nice. Yeah, just trying to make people like smile, you know, like, yeah. like make people's day a little bit better. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, it was, it was. It was a very moving experience all the way around. So then I think maybe you were, did you think of other ways that you could use technology to allow people to give to each other uh, outside of Starbucks or is that where it ended? Uh, for a probably, I'm going to say six weeks after that, I was contacted by every startup in the space that of, of charitable giving and enabling charitable giving with mm. digital, uh, either either mobile technology or just social, you know, everybody was in touch with me and it's really funny because it's it's a really tricky balance there was like a like it was a perfect storm the starbucks thing was a perfect storm like if it was if it was a target card it wouldn't work because people would have been buying tvs like you can't go that nuts in a starbucks right spending 20 dollars in a starbucks is sort of the limit yeah, like so, it, there are a lot of factors that came together in a perfect balance that made it slippery and frictionless, um, and and a lot of other people. I mean, universities who are studying charitable giving were contacting me, like you know, how how can we, you know, did you learn anything that we could benefit from that would, you know, help us sort of make something like Facebook a place where where donations could go viral or charity could go viral because that's kind of how they saw it yeah and you sort of saw that with the uh als thing that went viral and yeah and lots of i mean the, after that was the the tsunami in japan and yeah yeah and right around that time, i think it was just before the year before that was the haiti earthquake and and i've been following like all that stuff you know i've been been involved with on one level or another whether it was just like making a, a, you know, the Haiti earthquake thing. I made a, a Haitian Creole to English translator because Google Translate didn't do it back then. And uh, and someone had built an iOS app for it, but it, Apple wasn't approving it, so it wasn't in the app store, so nobody could use it when they needed it. So mm-hmm. I made a web app out of it. And, you know, it's just like all, that stuff is always on my radar because I think the, the power of, Having everybody having a computer in your pocket, two billion people having computers in their pocket, is hasn't even begun to be tapped, and yeah. in a meaningful way. I mean, yeah, entertainment and and and, and e commerce and Amazon's destroying bricks and mortar retailers and all that stuff is happening for sure. Mm. But the the power of good that can be unlocked is is like breathtaking. Truly, and, truly, it, inspirational. it attracts my attention. So I I try and kind of do that stuff when I can. And this was just, uh, this was, this was just a random, random thing that went viral, but there are Mm. plenty of other things that you can do that still affect as many people. They just don't get as much press. Absolutely. Well, truly inspirational. Sit tight for a second because, uh, Richard, you know what time it is? Uh, it must be that happy time again. Yeah. Time for me to walk up to the Starbucks counter of stupid jokes and make a large withdrawal. <laughs> you need room for cream with that? I think I'm going to need a pickup truck to get go. the dumbness out of there. Actually, uh, it's time to give away a Telerik DevCraft collection to one lucky member of the .NET Rocks fan club. But first, Telerik DevCraft is the most complete .NET toolbox for web, mobile, and desktop development. With the addition of UI for Xamarin to the DevCraft bundle, you can now create compelling native mobile experiences with your C-sharp skills. Download a free trial at tinyurl.com slash devcrafttrial. Awesome, buddy. Who's our winner? Today's winner is Brett Murphy from Phoenix, Arizona. Congratulations, Brett. Golf clap for you, sir. Sorry, I can't give you a Starbucks uh, coffee, but uh, you did get the next best thing, a big bundle of awesome from Telerik. That's Telerik's DevCraft collection, Brett. And uh, hey, if you don't know what we're talking about, go to .netrocks.com. Click on the big Get Free Stuff button, answer a few questions, and join the .NET Rocks fan club. We have thousands of members all over the world, 
In every show, we like to give away stuff from our sponsors. And every December, we give away $5,000 worth of technology to one lucky member of the .NET Rocks fan club. And, Jonathan, we like to ask our guests at this point in the show, if you had $5,000 to spend today on technology, what would you buy? Oh, that's a good question. I love What this don't one. you have? I, well, so that's part of the problem is that as my job, I buy like all, you know, I've got like half a dozen smartwatches on my camera. Like I pretty much can can justify the purchase of almost any gadget. Mm-hmm. And I understand that the premium Apple iWatch, the top tier one, the gold one is like five grand. Is yeah, it that's, really? That's what, yeah. Well, that, that's what Gruber's saying. Huh. Yeah. There's, and I believe it. I, I actually, I pat myself on the back. I predicted they would come out with a gold, like they would get into the, the luxury category. Of yeah, watches. a Rolex not, category not, Apple Watch. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. I mean, it's Apple. Of course, they're gonna. They're sure. not gonna come out with a hundred dollar watch and like nope. compete with Pebble. It's Apple. They're gonna come into the. T- they're gonna go in the watch market. They're gonna go in like against Rolex or at least Tag Heuer. You know. Yeah. yeah. When it looks like that's what they've done, like a five hundred, a thousand, and a five thousand. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I'm curious to see it. I'm, I'm skeptical about. I, I don't know if we want to go into like wearables or if we just want to do the. the yeah, fix, we'll get but, into wearables after the break. But certainly, if you if there's something out there that you want to buy. Yeah, I honestly, my, um, I go, I gotta go drones. Yep. <laughs> You're not alone. Yeah, I gotta go drones. If we're going tech, I've gotta go drones. If we're not going tech, it's guitar stuff. Oh, right. Ah, Very cool. Okay, you and Carl can go right over there. Like, yeah. talk about your Martins. Oh, like yeah. the Les Paul that tunes itself. Yeah. You know? No, I want vintage. Like, I want a, oh, okay. I want like a vintage Marshall head. Nice. Like a nice, nice yeah. What, preferably one that's been played by, you know, Black Sabbath or something like that. Oh, I, I'm sure that would be more than 5,000, but if I could do it, that's what I would do. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Guitar stuff. But if we're going tech, if we're talking tech, definitely drones. What's your guitar of choice? Um, I was fortunate enough in the last, I think about two years ago, I found a used Paul Reed Smith custom mm. for half price, and it was mint condition, and mm. it is absolutely beautiful electric wow. guitar. It's like it's basically if you're if for folks who aren't familiar with it, it's like the Carlos Santana guitar. Yep. Uh, in acoustic, I have a Martin that I bought 20 years ago. Uh, I got a, a bonus at work 20 years ago and, and blew the whole thing on a Martin, which I still have to this day. So was it new 20 years ago or was it vintage? It was brand spanking new. Well, it's vintage now. Yeah. <laughs> it, was new then. it was new then. Hey, come to think of it, mine is 20 years old now. I have a Taylor K20 uh, acoustic that's a 93. Mm, uh, 21 yeah. years old. Yeah. I'm coming up on my annual dust off the guitars because we have people over for Thanksgiving and it's it's going to be it's for that embarrassing time of year when I realize that I literally have to dust them. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, guitar geeks, I love Paul it. Paul Reed Smith is a nice guitar, and what I liked about those when I played them was their range of tone was unbelievable, especially at the time they came out. Mm-hmm. You know, from humbucker to open coil and everywhere in between. Absolutely, and so much that I bastardized my '83 Les Paul standard with. EMGs and the, the 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 one in the treble position. I can't remember the model, but it does have a pull uh, tone pot that you pull up to switch it to open coil. Yeah, I'm right there with coil. you. I was always a Strat guy, uh, but this this is the Paul Reed Smith is a perfect combination of a Strat and a Les Paul for me. Les yep. Paul's too heavy, too much arch in the top. Yeah, and this is a perfect perfect combination. It's got a whammy bar, so I can get all 80s in there. Yeah, yeah. So it's fun. I love it. Awesome. All right, let's talk wearables. So, yeah, this is the thing that you've uh, been... uh, uh, Now, when you say wearables, are you talking about mostly things that connect to your phone or Bluetooth connected, at least to your phone, little devices? Yeah, there's a whole... Yeah, we can actually have a whole conversation right around that, which is that uh, for a long time, when this was a little bit more theoretical, I assumed, I just sort of thought in theory, like, oh, I would want... If I have a watch or or glasses or something that can connect to the internet. I want it to have its own connection. I don't want to be tethering on a phone. I don't want to be dependent on the phone. And and there is, you know, and that is understandable. And I still wish that were true. I wish everything just connected automatically. But right. uh, the reality of that situation, because I do have, I have uh, at least one watch that comes to mind. I think the Omate TrueSmart is essentially a, a, a full Android phone with a one-inch diagonal screen. And mm-hmm. it has its own SIM card. It's got all that stuff. It's a full phone, but it's just really tiny and has a strap. 
Mm -hmm. And it's, it is nowhere near the experience that, um, I thought it would be. And I think, so you remember back when like, when like the iPad came out, Mm -hmm. a lot of people were like, that's just a big iPod touch. And you know, what's the, you know, but there's a huge difference in the experience between an iPod iPod touch and an iPad. It's like a, you know, there's a difference between a, a bathtub and a swimming pool. It's, there's like, it, it right. enables a whole different kind of recreation. Absolutely. So with the watch, before I had one, before there were any ones really on the market, um, I assumed that I was going to want it to be phone-like. Uh, but when I got it, the, I couldn't have been more wrong about that. You, I, 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 I do not, and I don't think the mass market wants their, the thing on their wrist to be phone-like in any meaningful way. Yeah, not Dick Tracy. No, not Dick Tracy. And and the and then there's some practical concerns about having it have its own connection which are pretty much deal breakers for the the near term at least, like yeah. say 2 to 5 years, 3 to 5 years. Yeah. So first of all, having a radio is a battery killer and yep. battery battery is the most important feature of the watch, so you can't you can't be messing with that. So if you've already got a connection in your pocket that has a much better battery, you're going to want to leapfrog off of that. Uh, the other thing is the interaction model is just completely different for a watch. Uh, my quote is that as you know, watches for knowing things and not for doing things. Mm -hmm. Right. Your phone's for doing things. If you're doing things on your watch, you're going to hate it because you're like, why am I doing this? Why don't I just pull out my phone? Because this is this tedious experience like that is is absolutely ridiculous. It'd be, it'd be like typing up a long email on your phone when you're sitting at your laptop. Yeah. You're just not going to do it. First of all, you only have one hand. Yeah, obviously... there's a million reasons. Even or you know, if you're if even voice input, which is another whole thing we could talk about, yeah. um, voice input or uh, alternative input methods on the watch. There, there are. You know, it's there's a lot of experimentation going on right there. There's that right now. There's some things are promising. I've tested literally everything that I can get my hands on, and uh, I mean, if you can touch type, there's no, you're, you're not, you're just not going to be doing that much data input sure. on phone. So let me just give you a quick example for people who haven't played with this stuff. So I've got uh, Samsung Gear Live that is essentially Google Now on your wrist, which is a really powerful concept. Um, it's kind of like it kind of delivers on the promise of what Google Glass was supposed to be, but without mm -hmm. all of the stigma, social stigma, and, and some other major, you know, and, and it doesn't give you a headache, et cetera. If wearing a camera on your face. Yeah, I, I mean, we could talk about Glass, too, but the, but, but the story is, um, here's, here's a typical example. So I'm wearing, I'm wearing the, the Wear and the Samsung Live, and my wife texts me and says, hey, you know, it's 5.30, you're going to be home soon. And I say, and you can say, you know, and then it's like, do you want to respond to this? Say, okay, Google. And it like pulls up that red circle, Google now listening thing. And, and you say something like, yeah, yeah, I'll be there in 15 minutes. I'm just wrapping up now. And then the, the, for the interaction model to work, it needs, it just sends that. It gives you like a countdown timer for like six seconds, not even six seconds, probably three seconds. If you don't cancel it, it's going to send. And when it works, it works great. You can kind of have a conversation over your wrist. But the problem is when you are, I mean, in a situation right now, I have background noise right. or other people talking. It depends your on your around, environment. Yeah. And, and, and I have tested these things in, in, you know, 24-7 in my daily life for weeks and weeks. And it's extremely rare for me to be in a situation where voice input isn't interrupted by some kind of background noise. Right. So what ends up happening is, you know, it types... Darth Vader is your mother, yep. and it's a it sends it unless you can get down there and cancel it quick enough, mm. which is not the point. Like the point is that you don't need to mess with it, right? So now compare that to something like the Pebble, and and if anybody follows me on Twitter, then they'll know that I'm a gigantic fan of the Pebble because I think that's the one company right now who is actually executing on uh, the promise of what a watch can actually deliver to enhance the computing experience. And it's not sexy. It's this e-ink display. It doesn't have a touch screen. It's just got a couple buttons. It barely does anything, but it does exactly what you want, and the battery lasts for a week. It looks like 8-bit graphics screen. Yeah, it's yeah, not sexy. It is the opposite of the Apple Watch right? in terms of sexiness. And does it do the voice recognition stuff too? Nope. You basically okay. can't do any input on it. Oh. You can, but basically you can't. So 
<laughs> At the end of their website, it says, just to recap, we made a watch. We didn't solve climate change. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I love that. They, I mean, and they have the 8-bit site, right? It's yeah. like they, they totally get it. They completely get what they're doing. They are not in competition with Apple. Yeah. And they're goofing on Johnny Ives like, oh, it's the, look at this fabulous watch experience. It's going to change everything about the world and the universe. And, you know, it's like, come on, you guys, settle down. It's a watch. What else is it besides a watch? The Pebbles or the Apple Watch? The Pebble. The Pebble, the, the key thing that I use the Pebble for, I mean, this is going to, you guys are going to laugh, but having the time on your wrist is actually a very useful feature. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I mean, raise your hand if if you in the audience, if you haven't worn a watch since you've got a cell phone in the 90s at some point, you say like, oh, yep. what do I need a watch for? I've got the time right here in my pocket. Right. But it gives you the caller ID or a text or an email without having to pull the phone out of your pocket. That's the idea. Yeah, exactly. And the time, by the way. So like, so like you, oh, I need to know what time it is. I pull out my phone and I'm like, oh, it's whatever. It's 5.30. And oh, look, I've got a bunch of Twitter notifications. Oh, I've got some emails. To check. And 15 minutes later, you're like, wait a minute. What was I doing? Yeah. Oh, I'm just, you know, I'm, it's like the, the phone, everything about modern smartphones is designed to distract you. Absolutely. Right. Uh, yeah. The watch is this pebble specifically is not designed to distract you. So what happens is um, you get your phone in your pocket or especially if you're driving. And because I know nobody pulls out their phone when they're driving, Every, right? You know, I know I don't, but everyone around me does. Mm -hmm. And the reason I don't is because you get that buzz, buzz, buzz in your pocket or in the, the dashboard console. I can just glance at my wrist as if I were checking the time, and I can see that oh, that's spam, or oh, that's like a, a, an email, GitHub. Somebody pushed code to GitHub, and okay, great. I don't need to. I don't need to pull out my phone. I don't need to turn on the screen. It's like a triage device. Exactly. Well, and uh, yes. But I want to parse that a little bit because I used to say I used to say uh, watches would be good for email triage, and mm -hmm. I don't. I'm not as bullish on that as I used to be. So even even going through a list of emails and archiving them from your watch is a waste of time on the watch. Sure. So basically, what you want to do is you want to keep the interaction model on the watch to two seconds at an absolute maximum. Yeah. So if you are going to invite some kind of interaction like a, a yes-no or a, just a, a dismiss or something like that, mm -hmm. it needs to be instantaneous. Uh, Touchscreens, they're just, they stink. I don't know if it will get better, but the screen is so small and your fingers are so big yeah. that it's just not great. You want, I want hardware buttons. Yep. I, want, uh, I want a long battery life. I want to not be able to do lots of things on the watch. Yeah. Because then you get sucked into it. If you're getting sucked into your watch, that's a bad design. Yeah, that's the whole idea is so that you don't get sucked in. Keep it, keep it easy for you. Um, this thing also, this Pebble, which I'm seeing for the first time, it's very cool, says it does fitness tracking. So has it got that kind of uh, stuff in it? Yes. So, and that, that's actually a, um, a little bit of a surprise because it's a recent, a recent software update activated that functionality. So hmm. uh, I, I don't... I don't know the sense. I think it's an accelerometer that they're yeah. using to count steps. Uh, but it does, they did recently add, I think, the 2.6 or 2.7 up, update background processing on the watch, which previously the way it worked was there was the only background processing on the watch was the time. So mm -hmm. there was a tick every second that you could listen for in your app. Uh, but other, there wasn't really any, you know, GPS tethers off the phone. Basically, it gets that information from the phone. It leverages the phone as much as possible to maximize battery life, which, in my opinion, is the way to go. Yeah, I right. agree. It says run, walk, bike, swim, or sleep. You can track it all with Pebble. So that's pretty cool. Right. But they don't, the Pebble doesn't, they, they don't bundle that. You know, basically, that what they're saying is they're enabling third party developers to build apps that do that. Oh, I see. They don't, it's not, it's not some suite of software that comes, there's like virtually, there's almost no software that comes on it. It's all about enabling the third party developer experience, which I'll hasten to add is amazing. Mm -hmm. I think people who are trying to create a developer ecosystem could learn a lot um, by looking at the way Pebble put together their developer program and their cloud IDE and the software packages in general. It's, they've done a brilliant job. Nice. And it looks like they also have a $200 version called Pebble Steel. Yes, that's my preferred one. I'm, I'm too old, I'm too old to wear a watch. So, like the, the, the plastic ones, the pla I, or, I I backed the Kickstarter and I got a white plastic one, assuming I would never wear it and I'd just use it for testing. And I became so addicted to that particular watch that I wore this. It you know this 
I mean, I'm not, I'm not saying it's ugly, but it's just not age appropriate for me to be wearing a white plastic watch everywhere. Huh. <laughs> like I'm from Clockwork Orange in the Milk Bar, and yeah, it was like too, it was too, it was just not my personal style. So, yeah. um, which is a major factor with wearables. I guess it's a side conversation, but the Pebble Steel I really like. Um, possible exception being that when it vibrates, the links on the band make a really loud noise. I wish I could do something about that. But oh, okay. I mean, there's so the, the little the little issues of something that is a notification center touching your skin 24 hours a day is a very delicate balance. Right. So as annoying as notifications can be on your phone, they're way more annoying on your wrist if they're inappropriate. Let's talk about battery life for a minute and batteries in general. I mm-hmm. always thought that the holy grail of batteries would be something that uh, clips onto your belt or is part of your belt, you know, so that it could go all the way around yep. and was wirelessly accessible from your devices, whether, you know, without giving us cancer, of course, that's sure. always a plus. Sure. But uh, do you see us going that way? I mean, these look at Google Glass, right? I mean, the, the battery lasts for a while, but not as long as you want it to. And all of these things just are always running out of gas. Do you think yep. that you think we're going that way or do you think we're just going to wait for the battery technology to get better? I don't, you know, if I knew the answer to that, I'd probably be super rich. I mean, like fixing the battery problem is gigantic. Yeah. Like the power problem is huge. And I, I, I keep up with, I read, I don't blog about it really. I don't tweet about it too much, but I read about it just a just general curiosity. And I'm, I'm, I've read recently that there's a new, wireless charging technology that's wireless but it's very directed uh, it's weird hmm. i don't uh, the belt thing actually i think will be where our wi-fi goes i think i think we're gonna have on our on our body i think we'll carry with us one connection to the the network yeah and to me the smartest place to put that is your belt yeah. because you could have a flexible a big flexible battery right that was essentially invisible and you know not like a batman utility belt but an actual fashion belt a no, real belt right yeah real belt that um, is mostly battery, and basically the buckle is like a MiFi. Yeah, but you're right. Spread a MiFi out around a belt so it's thin and flexible. The only thing yeah. is, it's just got to not at all be a medical problem, you know, because there, if there is going to be a medical problem, that's where it's going to be. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I'm not, I, I'm not an, I'm not a hardware engineer at all, yeah. so I have no idea what the challenges really are. But it just like when you look around your your. The other obvious place to put it is in your bag. Like if everybody carried a bag with, you know, your notebook and your iPad, it would make sense to have like a, you know, a chunky battery in there. Yeah. That in fact, there are things, there's a thing called a power bag that has like a built-in battery and you just plug in the bag and then inside of, inside of there, there's like USB ports to plug in all your junk. So, and and that's actually a pretty slick, because everybody's carrying a bag. Like you go to a conference and every guy is carrying a bag. You know, yeah, yeah. it's like you get the Mars thing or whatever, but like, look around, everyone's carrying a bag. Certainly for women, it's not a problem. Well, sure. I always have a, a boost battery with a USB connection, at least in my pocket, if not in my bag, just because you need it. Yeah, I do that when I'm traveling. Yeah. So, you know, so you put that in there and it to me, that seems like the place to put the MiFi too. So if you're going to carry the bag and it's going to have a honking battery in it, you might as well have a, a, a Wi-Fi built in there too. Mm-hmm. So then all of a sudden, if all of a sudden, if you do that, maybe you don't need a phone. Because yeah. then you've got, say, a laptop or a tablet, and you've got a watch for your notifications, and you've got the MiFi for your connection. I don't know. So, like in 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 maybe five years, I think we're going to see the thing. I, I'm confident in saying is that we're going to see a um, a sort of um, explosion. So, and what I mean, or the atomization of the phone, because a, a smartphone is a general purpose device that balances right. a lot of really complicated. Um, there's like a lot of push and pull between like we want it to be used usable in, in one hand, but we want this screen big enough that we can type on it, mm-hmm. but we don't want it too heavy, but we want the battery to be long life. And so there's all these things going back and forth that are kind of perfectly balanced, probably around the five inch phone screen size. It looks like that's where we're going. Mm-hmm. So, but okay, fine. But if we, if we say but like right now, the phones are huge and they're going to continue to be huge for a long time. I mean, this technology is like the fastest most adopted technology ever like the cell phone technology is bigger than the pen mm-hmm. you know i mean it's like it, every every there's more cell phones on this planet not just smartphones like cell phones in general than there are people so it i mean it's like a massively adopted technology it's going to stay that way for a long time but i do think there are lots of use cases um whether they're verticals like medical or first responder or uh, or maybe um 
Olympic athlete or just athletes in general, like hardcore athletes, where, where having an actual phone, all of a sudden the balance of features doesn't make that much sense. And a different balance of features does make sense. You're going to need, um, you're probably going to want notifications. You're going to want, you, you basically want real-time feedback on your, whatever your situation is. So maybe this is a situation where something like Google Glass and a watch makes sense or Google Glass and a tablet. Um, and you've got like a battery pack and a, a, a connection to the internet in your bag. So then all of a sudden you don't need that in Google Glass, you know, because like one of the, one of the main problems with Google Glass is the battery life is atrocious. So carrying it, uh, even especially traveling, which is when you want it, is like not, it's not, it's unreasonable. Like it doesn't do anything. You can't use it. It's just the battery dies after three hours and there's no place to put it because you can't right. fold them up. Sure. And they're 1500 bucks and really delicate. So where do you, yeah. where are you going to put them? They don't do much unless you're going to write the software. Yeah, your own software, right? Yeah. Well, there's more and more software for it, but it is a fragile thing that is inconvenient in a lot of ways. Oh, yeah. It's really, you can't, you have to leave it on. And, and for me, I mean, I paid thousands of dollars to have my eyesight corrected so I wouldn't have to wear glasses. Right. Right. You know, and, the, and they give me a headache. I mean, and not even with the screen on, just like the pinching your nose thing. It just gives me a headache. They're too heavy. Yeah. I saw an article that says, is Google Glass destined to be the... What is it? The segue of this, <laughs> this century, you know? I also looked at it as a Newton, too. Yeah. Right, because it's ahead of its time. Those are fair comparisons. I think that, I think that it will be, the concept will be popular, but not the, the current form factor. The V1 of Google Glass. So the, the success of Google Glass is that they utterly penetrated the mass market consciousness about wearables on your face. Right. Yep. I mean, it is, like, I would, when I, when I first got them, it or them, whatever you call them. When I first when I first got them, I was wearing them in public just to see what would happen and see how useful they were and all that stuff. And I had like grandmas and coffee shops coming up to me, be like, "Oh, can I try those?" Right. You know, because they they knew what they were. You mm -hmm. know, my twelve o'clock local news. They did a three minute piece on Google Glass. I mean, like they completely penetrated the consciousness as, as Apple did with the Apple Watch. I I don't particularly think Apple Watch is going to be that successful, but as a product, as a, like a profit center for them. Um, I'll probably eat those words, but but I, I really don't. I don't. I don't think the form factor is right. They're going to do lots of changes to it. It's going to be a, the, the successful one is going to look a lot different than this one. Well, part of this is the instrumentation of humans, which is a whole other topic. The measuring of your heart rate, the you know, going beyond just uh, a pedometer. There's sure. an awful lot of tech in the in the Apple Watch. It's about knowing you, the body that it's on. Sure, absolutely, and I mean. I can speculate. I think the I think the watch is more mostly about the mostly about the payments play, right? Mm -hmm. Event like long term. I think it's more about. I, I imagine there'll, there'll be the fingerprint reader on the watch, and you'll be able to authenticate to a POS by touching your wrist instead of having to pull out your phone. And so I, you can see, you know, you can see stuff. You can see stuff happening there. You can see them making a play for it. But the thing that they're great at, Apple is absolutely great at, is validating a category, which they totally did with watches like like people who were never talking about android wear people who are never talking about pebble are now all of a sudden talking about watches because apple's right one. Mm -hmm. and now banks are jumping on board with contactless payments which google you know google wallet's been doing for three years but no one cared because it wasn't apple what do you think of the microsoft band uh i to be honest i haven't even looked at it all right you know of it though they just announced it it's their fitbit you know competitor kind of thing I feel like Fitbit and Jawbone and, and those sort of dedicated uh, dedicated fitness trackers are in big danger from um, what I've been referring to as analog face connected watches or analog face smart watches like the, the Whiting's Activity or there's a new Kickstarter for something called Nevo, which is a, a proper um, you know analog face watch, round face with hands, real hands, mm. that uh, also has all the sensors. And in, in my experience, if you're wearing a watch and of one of the, whatever they are, you know, I've had the, the Up, I've had the Fitbit, I've had uh, Shine, yeah, I lose them. I just forget to put them on, I lose them, I put them in the wash, um, they fall hmm. off me, mm -hmm. but I never forget to put them on my watch. Yeah. And so the feeling of tracking your, um, tracking your, your analytics, basically your, your personal body analytics, your activity tracking, the feeling of doing that for... You know, being on a streak and then missing a day or two days because you forgot the charger when you went on vacation or because right. you forgot yeah. to put it on. It's like this 
this horrible it's like a I feel like brain damage like oh my data is messed up now yeah right and there's no way and typically there's no way to go back and 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 guess like like well okay i know yesterday was kind of like last monday so i could go backfill the data manually there's usually no way to do that it's just you just a dead spot in your data mm. and it drives you crazy yeah and, and in, in deep down especially for data people it's just like all of this is invalid now it's meaningless yeah the whole thing's meaningless <laughs> i'm just like, right. <laughs> i forget my i leave my fitbit on my other pants Walk around for the morning and they're like, ah, crap. Right. I didn't get credit for walking around this morning. That's it. <laughs> yeah. It's a horrible feeling. It's really, it's kind of dumb, but the, you know, the idea is to kind of gamify your life and, you know, me, you know, stuff that you measure. There is measurable improvement in people's healthiness and their behavior when they are tracking things. Yeah. So you don't want those sort of negative impacts to just sort of like they're like road bumps that that will just send you right into the ditch so yeah. i think i think putting that stuff into a watch that you're not gonna forget uh is where they should be and where they'll end up and so i would imagine that i would i would be shocked if fitbit didn't come out with a watch like a mm. real watch yeah now when you say an analog face watch does that mean that you can superimpose digital stuff over it when it's not your analog watch the ones i've seen so far um are they, they maximize battery life even beyond Pebble. Like they measure battery life in years. So they use real, uh, real watch batteries hmm. and they do very little um, in terms of smart features. Yeah. Um, but they, you know, like the, the Nevo, they say, you know, the, the, the watch movement has five year battery life and the smart features have six month battery life. And it's really easy. There's two batteries, one for each different system and you, they're easy to change. And you can um, uh, obviously tell the time. And uh, like everyone laughs when I say that, but it's like a great feature to have on your wrist because <laughs> you're not pulling out your phone. It's like it, it's amazing for your battery life on your phone. It like greatly increases the battery life on your phone because you're not turning the screen on all the time. Right. So you've got the watch. Okay, great. And and you have the hands, I should say. And then it also has um, the the. I, I should I should start learning like true watch technology, but like the 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 numbers around the face. Yes. They light up uh, in like a dashboard type way to indicate how close to your goal you are. So if all of them are lit up, you're at 100% goal. And if only one's lit up, you're at 10% of your goal or whatever. So and what device is this you're talking about? Uh, the one I'm describing is called uh, Nevo, N-E-V-O. And they have a, sorry, it's not a Kickstarter, it's an Indiegogo. And uh, they are, I think the the lowest tier on the Indiegogo to get the watch is a hundred bucks, so it'll probably be one forty nine mm -hmm. to the public eventually. So that's it's it's cheaper than a smart watch, and it's and it and it has all the sensors, it does all the fitness tracking, and it will show you, it gives you the fitness feedback on the screen using this sort of clever little LED percentage thing around the face without looking like a Casio or like some geeky watch. It looks like a pretty nice watch. NevoWatch.com. Do they have a? I haven't seen the site. I just I literally backed it. I think last night. So, yeah. and there's another one that's uh, going to be delivered in the next couple of days. I got one for my wife called the uh, Wythings Activite, which is a um, you know I'm sure you're familiar with or Wythings. I guess they pronounce it Wythings. Yeah, they were the guys who one of the first to do the smart scale with an IP address. Exactly. Yes. And so they have a, a really nice looking watch that has at least in, at least in in, in my world. Past the significant other style test, hmm. where it's the first one that she was like, "I would wear that." Hmm. Yeah, and it's that analog face that I think transforms it. Yeah, absolutely. And it's got so it's got the analog face, and then it has like a sub face that just shows the percentage reached of your goal for that day. So it doesn't tell you a lot of information. Of, you know, it's it's not you know sending you. It, it'll they vibrate when you get a text message, but there's no like. Um, LED readout of what the text message was or whether or not you should pull out your phone in response to it, but you you definitely won't miss any notifications because uh, when it's attached to your wrist, you just don't miss notifications. Wow. Um, but I would like to see, the thing that I would like to see, I'm sure this is completely impossible from a hardware standpoint, but the thing that I imagine seeing or imagine happening is like the a notification comes in, it buzzes, you look at your regular looking watch and somehow an LED projection happens across the glass right. that says, you know, it's, it's your wife, you better pull out your phone or it's spam in your email, don't bother. Yeah, I could think of the, uh, the, the LED glass. Richard, help me out here. The LCD glass that you can put on your windows that press a button and they turn opaque. 
Yeah, or translucent. Or anyway. Translucent, yeah. So you would basically turn off the analog watch and then turn on a screen that you could see yeah. just briefly. Yeah, that'd be great. Mm. I mean, that's a that's a, a valid. I, I think you know if there was a way to do a transparent e-ink, so it was like black and clear instead of black and white. Right? Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I I I really don't. I'm not like a materials guy. I'm sure no, all that's interesting. impossible. But that's that is the the thing I want. Like that's the device I want. So if somebody out there is listening and can build it, then please go ahead. I'll yeah, buy it and send me one too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which is like, yeah, what they said. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, well, about an hour has gone by, and I hope they uh, I hope they're not coming around and asking you if you want more coffee. Uh, at this no, place. I'm a I'm a freeloader all over town. So that's awesome. Nice. Awesome. Jonathan, thank you so much. It's been such a pleasure talking to you. Oh, it's pleasure's all mine. Thank you, guys. All right. And we'll see you next time on .NET Rocks. .NET Rocks is brought to you by Franklin's Net and produced by Pwop Studios, a full-service audio, video, and post-production facility located physically in New London, Connecticut, and, of course, in the cloud. Online at pwop.com. Visit our website at dotnetrocks.com for RSS feeds, downloads, mobile apps, comments, and access to the full archives going back to show number one recorded in september 2002 and make sure you check out our sponsors they keep us in business now go write some code see you next time Got